Are you the lead character in your G-rated movie, hopefully, called Life? Are you? Or are you that person that needs the center of a stage? We all need it, whether we're egotistical or not, because ever since Eden, we've been bent to need validation from others and not how we were designed to get validation from God. He is the story director of our life. You see, God wants a track in our life. It could be called a growth track, whatever you want to call it, but it starts with surrender. So when we surrender, we begin to grow in obedience to him and his word and the Holy Spirit talking to us. And as that is developing, we come to spiritual maturity. It isn't because you've held your Bible for 15 years and never opened it caused you to grow in maturity. It is obedience. And then follow me, the in-track of that is, and in maturity, that breeds trust between myself and a God. But the better thing is, it brings more trust from God to me. So he can begin to trust you, to work in you and through you the way he's designed you, if he is in the center of what, you have, what he's designed you to be. Amen. Praise God. All right. When I talk about surrender, did we put this up? That's a red flag. That's not a white flag. We are conditioned to see white flags when you say surrender, whether the word surrender is you, you think giving up or competing against families, keeping up with the Joneses, sibling rivalry, um, sports games, uh, war. I surrender. I give up. That's the world's definition of surrender. It's not God's. God's definition of surrender has nothing to do with quitting or giving up, but it's giving something over to someone greater than ourselves. That means trust is involved. But see, we're not used to that because when we do think of worldly surrender, we ain't trusting the person we're surrendering to. You know, it's out of guilt, grudge, or whatever we need to do. But your Christian walk, if you are a Christian and your relationship is growing and you're following Christ and Jesus is the Lord of your life, it all started with surrender when you went to the altar. Was it a physical altar or a prayer in front of somebody? You came to Christ to surrender your life. So the big idea here today is the tagline, whatever we want to call it. Things you walk out with today, there's two things I'd like you to really hang on to, is simply this. As Christ followers, the more we position our hearts to surrender to God, the more strength is provided to stand in the freedom within our soul. Okay? I'll say, oh, I will one time again, Mom. Don't I'll get there. <laughs> no, that's all right. I will. I will. I will again. So this red flag is, excuse me, it's not white, it's red because we can actually trust who we're surrendering to because of the blood that was shed on the cross and what he did for you and I allows us to come to that cross and surrender the things in our lives. You see, there's things in our life that we know what the soul is, right? It is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Bless God, I'm not going to do it. You know, will is powerful, right? But all combined, it really is the, I think I've said this before, the original OS system that 
God created when he designed us. But those things that can taint our soul, become attached to our soul, that are not from God at all. As we try to protect ourselves, or stand for ourselves, there's different things that can attach to our souls. And as Christ followers, God does not want our soul to be tainted. Jesus, one of the perfect examples of a person, he was a person that surrendered to God while he was on planet earth. For a guy who surrendered everything to him, how come he's the most influential man in history? Jesus continually found strength as he positioned his heart towards surrender to the Father. Let's look at a few scriptures. And we know these scriptures. We'll look at a few. The first scripture is uh, John five nineteen through 20. Basically, Jesus is getting pressed by the Jewish leaders. And they're basically looking at him saying, wait a minute, you're creating all these miracles, people are getting healed, demonic depressions are disappearing, people are getting set free, and you're not calling yourself a great prophet. But you keep pointing to something else. Here he says, so Jesus explained, talking to these Jewish leaders, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him to do even greater works, so beyond him, than healing this man. It was after a healing. Then you will truly be astonished. Jesus' power and wisdom came from his Father because he was surrendered and the strength that came out of that. John 14, 24, we're going to lay some scriptures here. Jesus again, anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. A surrendered person looks to glorify God, not himself or herself. Easier said than done when the pressure's on, right? Again, we're swimming in deep waters today. This next one we know is very famous. Pastor John and a lot of the pastors here, we, we talk about this, and it's, it's denying ourselves. But Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from selfish ways Take up your cross. That sounds like there's work involved. Take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, control it. You will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what you do, what you, do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own. We're talking about soul today for a minute. Is anything worth more than your soul? Amen, hallelujah. 
So even when Jesus was on the, I think, and I've mentioned this before once, and we know this, when Jesus was on the journey to the cross within that 24-hour period of time, he was put in front of Pilate, called the Pilate moment. So behind him you had Jewish leaders and just people of the community, and he was standing right in front of Pilate, who held the weight of his fate. And Pilate through that dialogue to Jesus before he headed to that cross. Look for ways out so Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross. And what did Jesus keep replying? Not my will, but my Father's will. He never defended himself standing. Now, we may never get, I don't know, but we may never get forced to a physical cross as Christ followers, but there will be a day you're in front of a pilot at one point. What are you going to do? Are you surrendered to God? Surrendered to God. Side note, and I've appraised my life of this too, and I'm not perfect at it like none of us anyhow, so don't look at me like that, but how much of our conversation daily has the word I in it? Too much. I think. I wouldn't do that. Oh, I'd die for it. Look what I can do. I, 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 I. Is Jesus or is God at the center, even in your conversation? Here is another um, man of faith, as we know, the father of many nations, Abraham. I think I may have time. I'm going to read through it here. Genesis 22, 1 through 12. We know Abraham well. We know his journey. We know this series of scriptures very well, but it breathes <laughs> Abraham surrendering to a God. Because you see, God told Abraham, (laughs) hey, I want you to go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son. That would make the news nowadays, right? (laughs) Right? We'll read through this. I think we have time to get through it. So, So 22, 1 through 12. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. God called and said, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, this is God's instruction, your only son, yes, Isaac, so he even reminds him, it's your only son, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. I don't think I would have went to sleep at that point, but anyhow, he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I are traveling a little further We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Let those two things sit. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder. He put him to work to climb this mountain. I don't know if I would have done that. While he himself carried the fire and and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied. (laughs) We have the fire and wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham. And what a surrendering statement right there. Mm. 
God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built that altar and arranged the wood as it is. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At the moment, the angel Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> I, thought he, I would think he would have quit quickly. Yes. <laughs> Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know you truly fear God. Truly fearing God involves a lot of surrendering to get to that point. You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So Abraham was about to... Yeah, no, sorry. That's it. <laughs> I don't want to go further with time. But basically, Abraham wasn't surrendering a bad habit that we have, you know, surrendering, um, you know, uh, an emotional complex. You know, he wasn't uh, surrendering... He was surrendering his first son. That's a big deal. When we surrender, we give more space to trust God and work in those spaces we've never let him in before. Parents, remember we're swimming deep. Don't hate me yet. Some of you parents, none that I know worship their kids though. They do. We live in this culture because in the long run, it's like a hyper-individual culture that... (laughs) And again, I've dealt with this too, but the more I make my kids look good, the more I look good. It's all self-driven. It was God's plan for you to have kids. You were to steward over them, not worship them. You love through all of that. You love through all of that. Unconditionally like you're loved. But you need to appraise that sometimes. If your center is your kids and it ain't God. We live in a culture, so it's easy to get sucked up in that. I don't like this. This thing's all right. You might work with me, guys, here. I need the anointing tape, Dad. Can you get that? Okay. All right. We'll laugh out of a crucial moment here. So, okay, well, let's get to a point. None of, there's no condemnation in what we're talking about today because guess what? We were all born into the fight. Whether you know it or not, you were born into the fight. And the fight is simply self (laughs) and pleasing self and the sin it produces when you do that. I know. So we're born into a fight. Yeah, thank you, sir. Well, no, you got to give it to me. Surrender it to me, Father. (laughs) Sorry, guys. All right. Oh, boy. So we're born into this fight. And basically, in our life, here's my illustration that I feel makes sense. We We all live in our different sandboxes, right? We all live in our sandbox, and we build these sandcastles in life. And we trust in these sandcastles that are obviously very temporary. But it's a fight to keep building that at times because it has to be rooted out of self. And then we become a Christ follower and now we got to go upstream in this fight 
Not only us not trusting in these sandcastles that we make in life, sandcastles of idols we do, things we need to do that are apart from centering to God. We may, now we've got to tell other people, don't rely on these. That's a pretty sandcastle, but that's going to crumble at some point. Don't put your trust in that. And the fight began in Eden. We know that. When self, the fight, and it's neat because I don't think Satan really has to roar much anymore. He just prowls and looks around because when we're serving ourselves and the sin manifests, I don't have to do too much. I'll just prowl. I'll scare at times, but you can't win the fight without God. You cannot win this fight without God. We know that. It could be a bumper sticker. But do we really, really live it, knowing that? Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verse 5. There was division, that we know, oh, come on, we've, if we've been Christians, long, there's been division with the Corinthian churches, and they've lost their center, some of them. You know, they're, they're doing things their own way and relying on rituals and different churchy kind of things. So here we go, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verse 5. Some of you may be shocked at the first few words. We are human. (laughs) But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, for his will to knock down strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing and loving God. So we are human. I think we've said this before. If you don't admit you're human, you're discounting the cross because the only way Jesus could go to the cross was through his humanness. But he never dealt with human reasoning and never submitted to it like you and I don't need to either because the human reasoning begins to set in and those things attach to our soul. And those... So you need to be... So don't, I mean, Jesus was human, but he didn't submit to sin and the human reasoning. So some of these war things uh, we destroy. Can you go back another one? We use mighty weapons to win, right? Jesus kind of came to lose physically, right? He went to a cross. One of the most powerful weapons, and we know this, and I had a message uh, whenever a few weeks ago on the practice of prayer, is prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Fight on your knees. You've heard that. There's a lot of contemporary Christian songs. Sounds so fun and easy, but it isn't. But prayer, your, your main weapon is through prayer. Prayer on your knees, because that empowers the Holy Spirit to move those mountains that Jesus talked about to his disciples when they were like, what? You can do it. Even going further, so Paul talks about in Galatians, and I know Pastor uses this too a lot, about we've been crucified with Christ. So when I read that, I think, so I have the same ability to surrender the way Jesus did to his Father. Otherwise, I wouldn't be worthy to walk up that hill to be on that cross. Something to think about. So 
So what are a few things in life that we can surrender in our life? And this only comes from me. It's my reference. I know you guys don't deal with any of this. but So let's start. One is security, surrendering things we secure our life into. I just hit that with sandcastles a little bit. Second is dependency. What are we dependent upon? And third is, I just made this, it's aging contentment. And it ain't like an aging great piece of cheese. Don't worry, I didn't say wine. Cheese. Okay? It's like aging contentment. So let's go to security. What are some things that the Holy Spirit may talk to us about surrendering? Well, in the realm of security, how about financial security? You have to have so many zeros on that bank statement. We need to plan, but it shouldn't be something that's in the center of what we do. That may need to get surrendered. Lord, I surrender this feeling that I have to secure my finances and work for them and not include God. And when that happens, we probably don't, well, here we go, we're swimming deep. We don't go into tithing. We don't go into giving. I can't get down into that area. It's a deep, deep pool to swim in. But then what do we say that track was early? Surrender. You can't skip this track. Surrender what God is asking you to surrender. And there's power in that, what we're talking about. Then you'll grow into obedience. So it's like, okay, I'm just being in obedience because I've surrendered something. And then maturity comes out of that, spiritual maturity, right? Yes. And then through there, there's a trust where God and you can trust each other. And the best of the deal, like I said earlier, is God trusting you to do what he wants to do in you and through you. Emotional security. Uh-oh, now it's not fun. There's two extremes. There's those folks that secure in emotions. Demolishing people all around in the crosshairs. You know, I'm emotional. That's my security, okay? And they may be right 100%, but it's how is the response to that. But they trust in that high-velocity emotional security. Then there's the other extreme and I'm known for this being it's German trade or whatever, then there's no emotions. Because that means I can control the situation better. You know? So there's those extremes. God asking you to surrender some of those things. Dependency. When that stuff hits the fan, where do you go to? I can say that in church. Where do you go to? Do you go to food? Alcohol, porn, complaining. What do you, what's your dependency when things happen? Because those are things that are attaching to your soul and tainting your soul. Age contentment. I am happy where I am and I ain't moving. This is a great statement, but when God's calling you to grow somewhere, you're just happy the way things have been. As the world spins faster and faster around you, and you will get dizzy at some point. Being content. Now, there, you can be content, but it's that age content that just keeps you from growing. Yeah. So when things come your way that you don't like, James talks about this in James 1, 2 through 4. Do we have that, James? Okay. At least he's nice. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, 
consider it an opportunity for great joy? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to, whoa, grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I believe Paul's talking about that in our soul. Because if we are in that stage where we are perfect, incomplete, God is the center of everything we are doing. Doesn't mean we live life and don't have fun. He just wants to have fun with you. you live, everything's in the center of what you're doing. You can be that complete and needing nothing. Jesus talked about this. This is another message I'll do someday. In Matthew, uh, the Beatitudes, there's that first scripture. He hits it right off the gun. He's like, I'm asking my disciples to be poor in spirit. That doesn't mean I'm holding the sign up at the street corner. I'm not belittling that. But that means I'm not attached to anything the world can offer. I cannot be attached. So my soul is not tainted for anything. Paul is talking about that. So how do we surrender? Well, that's really each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit knows where we are. But I'll tell you one thing, uh, a gentleman by the name Jim Elliott, he was an evangelist and a missionary. He would go into these third world countries that never have heard the word of Jesus on his, anybody's lips. So he speaks from some authority, I think, or experience. He says this, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. It's a process. Trust it. Asking the Holy Spirit to guide you where there may be things I need to surrender in my life. What brings us to this cross, the red flag? Like we talked about earlier, it's God's love for us. It's not out of religion. It's God's love for us. And when we say God is love, sometimes it can sound so familiar that we've heard it so many times, and we say, I agree, yeah, that's great. But can we live it in receiving that? Many things start with just receiving God's love. Some of us haven't surrendered that too much because God, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you. And do this too, you know, I love you. And there's no open arms of surrender to him, right? He will not force anything on you and he will never ask you to surrender your will because that was a gift he gave to you when he created your soul but he can love but he can love when it comes to getting to that the centering in your life of what God wants to do with you it's just building daily surrender in your life. None of us are perfect. We're human. But if we don't go to human reasoning, the spirit in us will communicate. Because if you have your soul untainted, wanting nothing, it was designed to communicate with your spirit and the Holy Spirit in you. But if the Holy Spirit's trying to do things in you and your soul is all tainted... And even the exciting part, a life surrendered like Jesus did will affect other lives around you. It has to. If I'm walking in perfect peace as much as God has graced me, 
and things are happening around me, people will notice. Say, what's in you? What must I do, as they said in Acts, might happen, come out of some co-worker's mouth someday. Again, the big idea for today, the log line, is as Christian followers, the more we position our hearts to surrender to God, the more strength is provided to stand in freedom within our soul. The end times are coming. We know it. And as Christ followers, if we do not begin to appraise and let the Holy Spirit tell us what to surrender in our lives, what may seem as something small may turn into we may be a slave to at some point. And when it's a slave to you, whether those dependencies or anything else, God has to be a bigger intervention in your life and you won't be to withstand the things that are coming down the pike. Truth and principle are beginning to intersect our daily lives now. And application is waiting in all of this for each and every one of us to apply what we know and to walk it out. Being doers and not hearers. So to recap today a little bit, there is strength in surrender, godly surrender. Freedom is found in this type of surrendering. That track I talked about that God wants. Surrender is the beginning to growing in obedience. And obedience will cultivate spiritual maturity where you can trust God and God, even better, can trust you. And love brings us to the cross. Surrendering our ambitions, our defenses that we get in life, our hurts, our unforgiveness will push us closer to the freedom that God has designed in us to not be attracted to worldly things. For some of us, it's just surrendering control. We want too much control. I won't say it. So it affects those around us and certainly ourselves. No condemnation. Like I just said, we were born into a fight. <laughs> we were born into this fight. But it can be win if God's at the center of what we're doing. Like a child <laughs> to a father, surrendering all in the arms of God, we can boldly say, Come what may, come what may, I'm resting in the arms of God. I've surrendered everything that is asked to be surrendered. I'm going to end on one more series of scriptures, and we know it very well. It's Psalms, um, where is it? I'm sorry. Psalms 23, I'm sorry. I've asked Miss Maria to read verse 1 through 6. We know this very well. We know Psalm 23. But after hearing this message of surrender, hear it through your heart and work towards positioning to what these series of scriptures are saying. 
Miss Maria, could you read that? Psalms 23, mm. 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house mm. of the Lord forever. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. The more we surrender that, the more that series of what David wrote becomes real in our lives. God wants to bring us back to Eden. It was his original design. And we were designed for him. And it starts with the surrendering of different things in our lives that we may want to hold on to. And just be honest in your surrender to him. He knows what you're dealing with already. But this is really the start to everything else. If we continue to skip steps and wonder why we're not mature in Christ, we can just skip steps and wonder why God's not working in our life. It starts with surrender. Then everything else works together. Why don't we stand? We're going to end, and I hope you don't clap. I, I, I hope you look I'm egotistical. Hey, don't clap. I hope you got something out of this, but we're not done yet. We're still going to do communion. But I, I think standing right now is a sign that we all have to surrender something because <laughs> we're human. <laughs> we all have to surrender something. So I am not asking people to come to the front, but I want everybody to touch somebody's shoulder to the left and to the right right now. Don't worry. So if you're really a control freak or an introvert, you need to surrender that right away too. So that'll be the first thing going on. I just want to pray real quickly. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of today, Lord. And and I'm just honored to be able to deliver a message in front of your people, Father God. Lord, as this can be a message tough for some or just encouraging to others. Lord, we believe there's always places in our life that we need to surrender more to you, Father God. And we just trust the Holy Spirit and our brothers and sisters to our left and to the right to come in agreement, Lord. Holy Spirit, work in our lives to tell us what we need to surrender. Things that we're holding on to, God. The pain, the weight that have tainted our souls that you did never design for us to hold on to. We release that right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we know this is a process we can trust because you're leading the process, Father God. And with your love, we can continually come to the cross to surrender these things that affect our souls. Lord, there's a world waiting for us out there. There's a world waiting for us out there. But we can only minister to those that we're healing as well. 
so we can, you can work through us and trust us to bring signs and wonder and help build your kingdom on earth. And in that time, we know your abundant life that your son talked about is ours. We just release anything that we need to surrender right now. Anything, anything that holds us back daily that bring us closer to you and bring us more centered to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody, anybody that doesn't have a relationship with this God we've been talking about today, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He provided a gift for you that came down and died on a cross for you. And each step Jesus was walking to that cross, he thought of all of us in love as people were heckling him, spitting on him. As we heard earlier, he never defended. Never defended himself because he loved you. He wants a relationship with you. If you don't have that relationship, it's very simple, but it begins something very grand in your life. It's saying a simple prayer of accepting Jesus into your life, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, he died on a cross and was rose again so we can have victory in life. And not only victory in this life, but spend time, our eternity in heaven. One of the most crucial decisions you ever make in your life. If you don't have a relationship, come down and see me. I just want to pray for you. No, no, we're not going to embarrass. Surrender your introvertness and all that. Just get down here. Is there anybody I just want to pray a quick prayer with? All right. We are going to pray it either way. Those online, pray this with us as well too. Heavenly Father, and just mean it. Thank you for loving me so much. Bringing your son on this earth to become a person and die for my sins. Lord, I repent of any ways that would cause me to fall into sin. I accept the gift of your son in my life. I accept that I'm spending eternity with you. And through your love, my relationship will continue to grow as I surrender my heart towards you daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are in the room and you just didn't come up, come down and see Pastor Mike or myself or the prayer team over here to the left front of house. Uh, if you're online and you did that, uh, call our phone number tomorrow. I'll be in the office and there'll be others in the office. 508 4110. We'll send some material out. You, you need to tell somebody what you did today. <laughs> you need to because it was a big decision in your life. And it was just the beginning of something. Just the beginning of something. So visit us next week. Watch us online. But continue the momentum that you have here to knowing Christ because he loves you so, so very much. So very much. I hope everybody did get something out of today. We are going to... We're going to continue in the spirit of uh, communion here. We haven't done that in a while. No way to better in because it is surrendering <laughs> and remembering.
what Christ has done on the cross. So if you do not have a wafer and juice, raise your hand and we'll get you one. Nick. Nick, just a few up front. Brendan, thank you. We'll wait. As we're doing that, I want to read Paul's account of this. He's speaking to the church at Corinth, and we know these verses well. Talking about Jesus gathering his disciples the night before. And this is really, well, it is. It's not really. It is an intimate act of worship, what we're about to do. An intimate act of worship. Where we're remembering God's total commitment to us and what he did on that cross. And then the covenant that came out of that bloodshed that's on a flag behind me and in our hearts giving us new life here on earth. 1 Corinthians 11:23 verse 26. For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, "This is my body which I whew, surrender to you." Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do it in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. Lord, with a pure heart of surrender, our hearts towards you, no ill will, just honesty. Lord, we are remembering what you did on that cross. Those steps towards Calvary, Lord, you did it for us. And dying on that cross for us, knowing you knew the goal line. You knew that it was reconciling us back to your Father. And as you surrendered your body, we couldn't thank you more enough, Lord. And through your resurrection, Father God, we have a new covenant, a new covenant where we walk in victory, free from sin, surrendering our hearts towards you and help building your kingdom. Lord, those in our life, those friends or family that do not know you right now, we cover prayers over them. Whether it be ourselves or somebody else, you will put in front of them to show the love of Christ in their life and plant seeds in their life so they will know this new covenant and well and what was done on that cross. Thank you for all you've done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can eat the wafer and the juice at once. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.
Yes, thank you, Jesus. Stay in an atmosphere of worship. No other king would die for us. Wash our feet, too. He washed disciples' feet. No other king. No other king. And would suffer for us on that cross. Father, we are so thankful. And certainly non-deserving at times (laughs) for what you've done and the price to reconcile us to you. And Lord, through this new covenant, we are building Eden closer to you. The communion you wanted from the start, from the first Adam, Lord. Let our lives be lives of sacrifice and centering towards you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray.